You're listening to the Elevate Your Brand podcast, where we talk to some of the smartest entrepreneurs and fastest growing brands on the market today. I'm your host, Laurel Mintz, a reformed corporate M&A attorney who founded award-winning LA-based marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We've elevated some of the world's biggest brands from Facebook, Paw Patrol, and Verizon to innovative startups you haven't even heard of yet. Are you ready to elevate your brand? Keep listening. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I am so excited to be joined by Justin Trout, who is the co-founder and COO of HealthAid. Justin, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. I finally got you on. I've been stalking you for years. <laughs> no, I'm a fuck yet, but no. <laughs> well, I am a huge, huge fan of your product, um, which is kombucha in a multitude of flavors. How many flavors do you guys currently have? Oh, I think there's something like 24 right now. Wow. So you have to count. Yeah. So there's all the various, you know, health aid kombucha flavors we have. And then we just released something called Health Aid Plus, and that is uh, more flavors, but then also it has functional ingredients in there. So that's where the plus comes in. So they're hitting particular need states like, you know, belly reset has more probiotics or chill has some ingredients to help with calming and so on down the line. So we're really, you know, it's quite a few. It's, it's, it's trying to be everything to everyone as it relates to this category, which is kind of amazing. I actually hadn't heard of the plus yet, but I did, uh, you guys did send over the, uh, the pop. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So booch pop is our first foray into something that's not packaged in a glass bottle. So booch pop is in, um, you know, a 12 ounce sleek aluminum can. And, uh, it is, you don't need to ship it refrigerated. Of course you want to drink it cold, like you would any refreshing beverage, but it's, uh, you don't have that restriction and really it's meant to appeal to people who maybe are healthy ish, maybe not healthy. (laughs) So a little bit of an olive branch to people who are thinking about it. Maybe you want to dip their toe in the water. I don't know. What is this stuff? Okay. I'll try it. The true test is going to be for my husband to try and drink it because he is not a kombucha person. I try and get him to drink it because I drink it literally daily. You should see my refrigerator in my um, garage, Justin. It's literally just stacks of health aid. (laughs) You know, the test is everyone's husband, it seems like. They're like, Mm. oh, I'll tell you, if I can get my husband, whatever, you know. So, yeah, you know, (laughs) I think that's kind of a funny marketing insight we should look into. Like, how, like, it's like the husband convincing test. Yeah. the husband's over the bar it's like you can you can dominate more people in the house absolutely you, know, you get more 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 share of household yes i love yeah. that why well let's let's talk about this is an issue right so why has kombucha historically been kind of a turnoff to a lot of people well i don't know it's a really good philosophical question i think anybody that says they know is someone who doesn't know but they think they do <laughs> But I would say <laughs> I could apply that to all kinds of stuff. But like, so you know, I don't know. With kombucha, it's a health product. Mm-hmm. It's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, we, and I think everyone else tries to make them very, very tasty. And, you know, but once you have acquired it, you know, 
like in your case, you, know, you have a garage fridge full of, I mean, think back to your first beer, you know, not most people were like, Oh yeah, that's great. Usually it kind of freaks out your, your palate, you know, totally. And totally. Then you, get over, you know, first time having wine or anything like anything that's fermented seems to be iffy the first time, but then there's this lingering curiosity. Hmm. And I think if we can get people coming back some sort of minimum threshold of tries, then, you know, we got a chance with them. You know, yeah. we have a real chance. So I think that's why there's a little trepidation at first with it. Yeah, I think it also has that like kind of hippy dippy old school mentality, which it's it's so not applicable anymore. Um, but when did kombucha start? What is the history of kombucha? Well, okay, so there's a tribe of aliens that <laughs> come to Earth. God, I forget what year it is. No, um, <laughs> it's something. Again, that's another one nobody knows. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like there are, there, I have like books about kombucha that are written as if it comes from fact. I'm literally looking at them right now. It's like, you don't know, you're guessing or you're using some ideas, but I'll tell you what, here's the most common, uh, you know, history that people go by. It's basically, um, and it makes some sense is that it, um, originated in the far East. Uh, kombucha is a compound word, uh, kombu and cha. And kombu is uh, Japanese for like basically seaweed, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's Chinese for tea. And you know, there's some evidence to suggest that it was around in the in, in Asia, Greater Asia, um, you know, up to a couple thousand years ago. Um, some kind of fermentation drink um, that was not really alcoholic. Um, and then, you know, in theory, it's traveled its way across Asia and then down into parts of, you know, uh, Eastern and Central Europe and then around through. That's what they say, you know, but like, yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that a lot of cultures have their own sort of little versions of um, something that's, you know, fermented that they say is uh, provides vitality. It's like an elixir. Mm-hmm. It'll come from someone's grandmom's cupboard and no one really knows where it comes from, but it exists in the culture. And, and, and I think as humans, we're turned on by that. Yeah. I love that. It's a living kind of breathing thing that um, has to be kind of cared for much like wine. Right. Um, yeah. And for me, you know, I went to, there was a, a a kombucha con if I, I think is what it was called here in LA maybe 10 years ago and maybe longer now at this point and I think I met Diana there your wife um and partner and um of all the kombuchas that I tried I was like I was doing it for business development purposes and I tried a bunch of kombuchas and I was like oh this is this I can't get on board with this and then I tried health aid and I was like this is more my speed because you guys have such a unique it's so much more approachable, I think, than a lot of the kombuchas that were historically on the market. Yeah, thanks. I tell you, it's it's one of these things where it's got to be balanced the right way. Mm-hmm. Some of them can come off as like awfully pungent. Yeah, it's that vinegary. Yeah, yeah, like vinegary like too far in that direction, where they can seem like very yeasty, like um, like unwieldy in that in that way, and then people have a hard time like feeling refreshed by it because you know a lot of times like we think about. Look, this is a lot about calculation here too. Like, like, what do they say? Like Monday morning quarterbacking. But yes. <laughs> what, what, what I'm saying is that, like, you know, um, 
we talk about the customer need states, you know, what job is it doing, right? This is marketing speak. And, you know, your, your listeners, your followers, you know, are into that. And, and, and we all are, you know, we look at it, we're like, okay, why, why, what are we competing with? Are we competing with other kombuchas? Or are we competing with something else that fills, um, you know, a role in someone's life? And I, normally with a beverage, something that's a bubbly drink, it's cold. It's a single serve. You pick it up and drink it. Refreshment is in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the things. I don't know where it is on the hierarchy or how people think about it on the front of their mind versus the back of their mind, but certainly something about refreshment is in there. So, you know, if it if it's too yeasty or like too uh, vinegary or looks weird or too like anything that's like too far in that extreme, I feel like this is again like this is just a little of me, but I think that it it rubs too far against the idea of refreshment, hmm. you know, because we're called health aid. It's a health drink. It's in a Brown bottle that looks like it's like, like from some medicine that comes up like a, like a stage coach. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. That looks I like medicine to people, right. So that's like, that's like a self-created hurdle. That, you put a know, stake in the ground on that. You were like, this is a healthy beverage and we're going to own that. And I love that. And I actually love yeah. the feel of the bottle in your hand also. I think it's there's something very satisfying about it. It's heavy. It's tactile. Yeah. Really like the feeling of the label is always important for us. Yep. The weight of the bottle, this sort of thing, like that all matters. So I think you feel like you're getting your money's worth. You feel like it's a special thing. Um, it's It's a healthy drink. And it's like, so then, all right. So there's definitely some friction points. Uh that kind of, again, like rub against the idea of it being very uh, refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you drink it, it's like, I, like I'm drinking our watermelon flavor right now. Mm. Okay. I'm, look, I'm biased, but that's refreshing. It it's is. so good. Thank you. And my, so, my favorite is fruit punch right now. That's my favorite one. That's an, that, you know, that's a really fast grower, you know, and it's interesting to get these certain flavors to go off. Because what happens is, you know, you have some initial core set of flavors, right? And then we expand into new retailers, new markets, whatever. And they always ask, okay, what are your top sellers? So then, okay, well, here are the top sellers. Well, then the top sellers become more the top sellers. Like it continues to snowball on itself. Mm-hmm. So then getting new flavors in where it's like, hold up, hold up. We've learned a lot about the market and about the consumers and need states and these things. And, you know, we have flavors that we think are going to go off really, really well. Can you put them in? Yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes, but it's hard to cut in new flavors, no matter what we think about it, because everybody wants the high sellers, which and then in turn just become more so the high sellers. Totally. So, and your yeah. first high seller, was it the pom- pomegranate? Was that the one? What was the one? That's one of, it's still one of our top. Yeah. That was, that's one yeah. I had on, on tap in my office, which I loved. It was so good. My whole team was obsessed with it. And I'll tell you the turning point for me, Justin, really was how much it changed my body in terms of regularity and just the feel good factor. I mean, it's, it's a drink that's delicious. I get that you have to get over that like vinegary, whatever flavor, but you guys have done such a good job of curating flavors that are not, um, you know, that old school mentality. And, but then the end of the day, like it, the regularity that it, causes me or that it, it helps me with is the game changer in my opinion that gut health is like no joke it is no joke i i'm so glad you bring that up because if there's I, you say the word regularity i would almost like here's just a here's a thought maybe like homeostasis almost mm. like in balance you know the whole 
microbiome and its impact. This is new material for, for I think, our culture. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a pun. I mean, like, as us as a society, the idea of, like, hey, what is this culture? You know, the, the, the gut health, we learn about it. We know about probiotics or or I wouldn't say we know about them. I would say that people, that's a word that has some kind of, like, value to people, whether or not they know what it is. That's mm-hmm. fine. But, like, it, it, it's they know it means something important. And I think that the job of marketers of really great products, um, you know, so I would say our job is to advance that conversation in a way that at least you're never going to teach everybody like some science level, you know, knowledge of, you know, the gut microbiome and its various impacts, but you can teach people maybe like one thing. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about um, the health age specific journey because you have such an amazing story. So we're going to share that with our audience in a few seconds. Enjoying the episode? I certainly hope so. But we have no way to know unless you tell us. After this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice and let us know what you love and what you want to hear next. This podcast is all about you. And how else are we going to elevate your brand unless you talk to us? Thanks for sticking with us, guys. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with the co-founder and COO of Health Aid, Justin Trout. Justin, I was uh, we were just talking earlier right before the break about uh, microbiomes and gut health and all of these amazing uh, you know, story through lines of kombucha. And I was sharing with you a little bit about my personal journey. Now I'd like to turn it back to you. And if you could just start us at the beginning, because I know that Dinah was brewing this in your kitchen, I believe, like very, very early days, super small batch. And she really believed in this product. And then you kind of came along for the ride. Can you give us a little bit more about that history? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things I could like cherry pick out of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the early days, I'll tell you this, what's the saying? We didn't have two wooden nickels to rub together. (laughs) So there's no no nothing but old-fashioned work. Yeah. And uh, which is actually really nice because you feel like you did something, you know, it's not all like hypotheticals and spreadsheets and things like, like you put in a day of honest labor and you're like, okay, I'm building this. And that sort of has, if you believe in energy and things like it has its own type of value, like building energy matters, however you got it. And so anyway, we were, um, yeah, you know, we'd always been making kombucha, Dinah and I, and, um, and on and off and these things. And then, and then eventually what's kind of funny is that I started losing my hair huh. or at least I, I thought I was, maybe I was, I don't know. I'm definitely losing it in earnest now. I'll tell you <laughs> but at the time, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but I got freaked out by this and we, and we started looking up like, okay, what can help regrow hair? And we found that the kombucha scoby, mm-hmm. which is sort of like this pancake looking thing that sits on top of like a batch of kombucha and it holds all the different microbes that go in and create the fermentation process. Well, we heard that if you grind that into like a, like a, like a lotion, like you blend it together mm-hmm. like a, and you, you put it on your hair as a mask, it can help regrow hair. And um, we saw that on the internet somewhere. And then we got like into this idea. Fast forward, we're like, we got to make a business out of this. So me, Dinah and our business partner, Vanessa, and we started like, making a lot of kombucha at home like several jars of it kombucha is made like think of like a cookie jar that's like the that's the way most people at home mm-hmm. make it 
Um, it's like it's like tea with sugar and this culture that's you cover with like a cheesecloth type thing, and that's how the fermentation goes for people who haven't seen. It's it pretty before. freaky to look and, at, I have to say. Like the mother yeah. and like all the it's, it's like making sourdough. It's a very similar process. There are many headwinds going against the idea of ingesting kombucha on mass scale. I'll tell you right now, but that's what makes the marketing game like fun. And um, and so uh, yeah, so we started making so much kombucha. Um, not for the kombucha, but for the scobies. Because every time you make a batch of kombucha, the scoby, it like regenerates and creates another mm-hmm. one, like sourdough bread, kind mm-hmm. of, right? And so, you know, we we realized that making a hair loss product was like something that was, uh, we were not going to be able to figure that out. <laughs> but what we could do was sell the mm-hmm. drink. And you know, we thought it was great. And so we've been kind of curating this culture. And when I say that, I mean like you're creating a consistent environment and feeding it the same nutrients and you're, you're building an actual like biodiversity that is sort of regulated. Um, and it creates, you know, the flavor that we all drink. And so it's funny. I was telling a guy today that um, our head of our production, like we're installing right now a packaging line that is so impressive to me. Uh, just in terms of like, you know, the, just the scale and the professionalism and, and how dialed in it is. And I was thinking like, okay, when we started this thing and I was explaining, we literally like to, to get the kombucha that's finished in a jar into a bottle, we used to take a plastic siphon <laughs> and you just <laughs> use it with your hand. So like, put it this way, like, so, so like there's 12 bottles in a case, I'm going to make five cases, at 60 bucks. I mean, the amount of siphoning. Yeah, I'm sure. So for us, it is not like a, uh, you know, let's make a great deck. Let's go out and get funded. There's nothing wrong with that approach. Would have been nice if we knew about that. (laughs) Um, Um, And then, you know, you get some capital and you get rolling. No, it was kind of like very, very rough and tumble, gritty beginnings. And we've maintained that grit. It's part of who we are. Yeah, you guys are super involved. I, I will say that, you know, having known you guys for years now, uh, Diana used to sponsor some of our women's group events, again, like a decade ago. And people were still really curious about what it was. And you, to me, um, there's the one that they sell at, there's another one at um, Costco that is just too much for me. I can't remember the name, even the name of it. But to me, you guys are kombucha full stop. And I've tried so many of these different brands. And I know that I'm probably just like fangirling over here, but you really guys, you did what you showed up to do and you've consistently replicated that over so many different flavor profiles over so many years. And now three different kind of product lines. It's just so impressive to, to watch. Were you guys both involved from day one or were you, did you have a, did you guys have separate day jobs? And then at what point did you come together to decide this was going to be a business? Yeah, well, so me, Dinah, and Vanessa, the three of us, had been a trio from the outset, and um, while well, we all had jobs at the same time. And then so we started in the farmer's markets, um, and it was crazy. What we would do is, you know, we'd wake up on Sunday mornings. All the farmer's markets happened, like, simultaneously in L.A., back when there were farmer's markets in the before times. And so, you know, we would – We'd wake up at like, I don't know, know, 3.34 in the morning and create all these farmer's market kits. I think there were like seven farmer's markets and and we'd set it up so that we had 
you know, people that we'd hire to go and work at some markets. We'd work at other markets. We were doing the farmer's market thing while we still had jobs. And then um, I think it was Vanessa was the first to quit her job. So we started our first farmer's market was in March of 2012. Vanessa left her job um, in the summer of that year. I left my job, I think, in November. Um, see, Vanessa and Dinah had actual careers. I had a job. <laughs> so, like, all of my job, which is fine. And then, um, and then Dinah left her career in January of 2013. Wow. And, yeah, and it was crazy. Like, Dinah, we got married, Dinah and I, in the summer of 2012. And, um, and then we had, like, a delayed honeymoon. We ended up going to Australia in January of 13. And it was funny. We had like a classic moment of clarity. We're just like over the Pacific, super long flight, sitting in a chair on a plane. We're coming back home and we're, it just hit us both like a bucket of cold water, a scary mm-hmm. moment. We thought, oh my God, we got to make this work. Otherwise we are totally screwed. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that moment for both of us was like, oh, okay. Winning, you know, fail, what do they say? Failure is not an right. option. No, it's not. You cannot fail. You're, you know, whatever you have to do, you just have to do it. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a fun mentality anyway, because it really kind of opens the doors. Like it really kind of eliminates the fear. Factor. I couldn't agree more. My favorites, one of my favorite statements is F-I-O-G-I-D, figure it out, get it done. Uh, and I tell my team that <laughs> all the time. Uh, We're going to take another quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about some tips and tricks uh, for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are looking to start their own businesses, so stay tuned. Hi, guys. Me again. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about our award-winning marketing agency, Elevate My Brand. We're a full-service digital and experiential agency, meaning we do it all, from event management to content creation, branding, web design, and social media. We're a small but scrappy team of both data nerds and quirky creatives, and we're here to make you look good. After this episode, let's chat about how we can elevate your brand and take you to the next level. All right, guys, chatting with the COO and co-founder of Healthy, Justin Trout. Uh, You were just talking about your Oprah aha moment, which I love. I love that you guys both looked at each other and you were like, fuck, we've got to do this. We've got to make this work. And you guys have. I mean, again, such a great product, such a great story. Um, and, uh, and now it's time to pivot and talk a little bit about some of the like kind of lessons along the way. Cause ultimately a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who are looking to founders like you to give great advice on how not to make the same fuck ups and mistakes that they, that, that mm-hmm. you've done. Right. So what are the biggest mm-hmm. lessons, uh, and takeaways from your time so far running this company? Sure. Look, there's positive, there's like positive lessons and negative lessons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I would say the most positive lesson right away is like, go after it, like do it and like do it with all your might because, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's any number of reasons why what you're doing won't work. Absolutely. It doesn't exist yet. You know, you're, you're going to face criticism in your own mind or from others and people who really care about you because they want the best for you. That's part Mm -hmm. of it. But if I could one piece of advice, it is to absolutely go out there, believe in yourself, know it's going to be a crazy journey and it's not going to go the way you thought it would. No way, no (laughs) how. 
That's so true. It's so true. I mean, go and like, and like, you know, we, we threw ourselves at this literally as hard as we could. So I think if you're, if you're somebody who is like on the fence about being an entrepreneur and let's say that like you don't yet have like kids or maybe you do not have a mortgage or any, like, like what I'm trying to say is like, if you do not life pressures, yep. Yeah. Then, oh my gosh, like go now, go, go right now. Like don't, and don't worry about being too perfect because your idea of what you think is correct, you will quickly learn is like, maybe you were onto something, but it's really about going and then course correcting along. Totally. Like you're never going to, you're never going to line it up perfectly and be like, ah, that's it. It's all about course correcting. I totally agree with that. Yeah. To your point earlier, it's about, about energy too, right? It's about putting all that you have into the thing that you want to do. Um, as an entrepreneur, you know, I've done the same thing. So I totally am aligned with that vision. Um, any other interesting lessons along the way that you think are important to share? Yeah. I mean, a few things like, I mean, even for the beginning part, you know, people it's, it's, it's like, you know, I think if it was just me, I probably never would have started mm. this. I bring a certain type of um, of skill set, energy. You know, the way I belong in a group is one thing, but Dinah and Vanessa are completely other things. Mm-hmm. And so, I think if you're like having a problem getting started, then maybe you need a partner. Yeah. And that doesn't. And maybe that partner is someone who's more experienced. Maybe, maybe that partner is somebody who just has boundless energy and just rolls and doesn't worry about it. doesn't like overthink stuff and just like kind of just goes, you know, we have that in Vanessa. Like she just like goes, <laughs> like, oh my God, here we go. And that helps a lot, you know? So maybe you have to look past your own self. Maybe not everybody is everything for all yeah. reasons, you know? You know, so I, to help people get started because, man, I'll tell you what, if you're thinking about it, it's probably because you have something worthwhile yeah you probably yeah. do and we'd love to see it we'd love to hear about it because you know it's the, the world there's no no there's no end to improvements and good ideas and ways that people can share what's inside I couldn't agree more why do you think entrepreneurs are so stuck on perfectionism and let and they let that uh you know be a huge stumbling block for them was there something set up in our universe that made us feel like everything needs to be perfect I don't know. You know, you wanted to be right. You know, I used to write songs. I used to be prior to health as as a musician full time. And, you know, I, I was really good in a band. Like that was my Mm -hmm. thing, but I really wanted to be a songwriter and a producer. That's what I wanted to be my thing. And the problem was I could never stop working on something. I couldn't just bang something out. I had to constantly over tweak, over tweak, over tweak. And before you know it, what would happen is like, I was winning a bunch of battles, but they're the wrong battles. Like, oh, I got this thing done. Well, no one's going to hear that particular piece of the edit that you got right. Like, like, focus on the war here, fella. And, like, I wasn't able to do that. Um, And I think that um, maybe there's something is, like, you know, usually people who are entrepreneurs probably have a very high aptitude. They're intelligent people. They know what's right. They know what's wrong. They don't want to do something that's wrong. They want to be successful. Who knows? You know, it's any number of things, but like you have to like sort of look at the priority list and recognize that doing it is ultimately the goal. And you can always, always course correct. Mm. Doing it is the goal. The the person who sits by afterwards or even during is like, my network or here's what you could have done better. The the, the problem is that person is always technically correct. (laughs) Always. (laughs) They seem smart. They look smart because they're technically correct. 
Okay. Well, that doesn't really help an entrepreneur unless you're able to compartmentalize that properly, which is a crazy skill to have, which is why maybe it's helpful to have people around you or even in your own company organization that are just like, they don't do yeah. that. They just roll. They don't take that in. And that's good. I love that. What's been the most surprising thing about running a company like HealthAid? The change is the most surprising. Uh, the organization, the or organization, quote unquote. Yeah, talk to me several years ago. There was no organization. <laughs> there were things you need to do. You figure them out and get yep. them done, right? And there was all of that. And then now it's like my role, like the success of how I move the needle and advance the business far more. I, I don't personally do very much but what i do is i keep teams aligned i make sure there's stakeholder involvement i'm i i i ensure that projects are moving along properly we follow the right cadence all these things like that it's it's like organizational management which is a different game than startup entrepreneurship and it's okay if that the piece i'm talking about is is not really what you do like, cause you might grow into it or you might be able to hire people who can do like a better job of it. They're more trained in that way. Maybe they think along those lines better, but it, that type of change and moving it into like being a manager of like, uh, like strategic initiatives and other <laughs> stuff, like, it does <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I'm blown away of, of, of what, how that, I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's what we got to well, do. I'll figure it out and get it done. Much like uh, uh, the SCOBY, it evolves and changes and is a living, breathing organism. And, and you have to kind of go with the flow, right? You can't be so rigid in your thought process, uh, you know, in terms of your role in a company that you, um, you know, that you can, can uh, be, it can be a stumbling block. So I think that the fact that you've taken on that operational responsibility and you're thriving in that and realizing that there are people underneath you that you're responsible for who could pro who could probably do this job or the jobs that you were doing before just as well. Uh, I think that's a huge um, entrepreneurial benefit, right? Because again, back to the perfectionist mentality, a lot of entrepreneurs just can't get out of their own way to allow other people to, to do that same job so that they can, uh, you know, grow the brand, elevate the brand, I should say. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are people as you go through, right? So now we've like, we're, not in like, I want to start a business, but now it's like, you have mm -hmm. one, right? Let's move the timeline forward here. Let's say, you know, you, or you're working with others or people who, you know, look, the reality is you tell people to do things and then they do them, right? That's on the kind of like ugliest way. That's sort of how some of this works. And there are certain people, types of people who thrive in that environment in an entrepreneur, someone who doesn't know everything that they're doing, they don't have a worked out process yet. This is, it's being figured out and we're running fast and we're being reactive to opportunities that come around instead of strictly proactive and plotting and planning everything as it comes. Look, the, that's an environment where some people, they, they think it's like downright morally wrong. Like they can't yeah. handle it. They do not yeah. like it. Right. Fine, I, I I do understand that, but then there are other people where uh, that that's that's somewhere they feel very comfortable, and so I think that as you start growing out the business, like in the beginning, you're going to have a lot of people who are really comfortable with that, and then as it grows, you have to work in more, we'll say, middle management style mm -hmm. people who are able to take the initiatives and then and then lay them out into like how are we going to get this done, 
and work through it in a more sort of like um, more of a rote fashion. And I think it's like just knowing what the organization needs and what areas over time is, is important. And it really stems from, I just want to yeah. win. As an entrepreneur, most entrepreneurs have this crazy competitive thing going on. I don't know what you're talking about. I, just, I have none of that. Yeah, right? <laughs> you, you, you dudes from your pores. So, you know, like if you have this, you're just going to think like, well, I mean, like I don't have any pride of ownership here. I don't need to be the one that runs the project. Are you going to do a better job at it? Then please go right ahead. You know, and so keeping that, keeping that eye. And, you know, not everybody works exactly like that. But I think probably uh, entrepreneurs are, are generally thinking along those lines. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time. I've had so much fun chatting with you, Justin. I always love our conversations, and it's just been amazing to watch you evolve over the years. And thank you for just putting out a fantastic product. Um, I know that you guys have some fun holiday promotions coming out. So, guys listening in, make sure you go to health-aid.com or follow them on the Insta. They've got a great feed. Uh, Justin, any final words before we wrap things up today? Um, I would just say that my biggest wish is that, you know, obviously 2020 bummer of a year to put it mildly. Um, but anybody who needed that one last push to go from whatever stage that in the journey to the next one, then hopefully this is the, the sign that you needed that life is short and, you know, you should go ahead and do it. And there's a whole community of people who are really supportive of this. And if you fall, you just get back on that horse and you fall again because you're going to keep getting back on. And eventually you get so used to falling off a horse and getting back on that it kind of doesn't even matter. It's just that that's what it is. <laughs> and, you know, you look back and think, thank God I actually did that because I'm so much more fulfilled professionally and maybe many other ways because, you know, you took that leap and you kept taking it and you kept taking it. So I hope this is the year for people to take action. I love that. Justin, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.